Today I'm here with Mr. Detweiler, my former seventh grade teacher, <laughs> who is now the superintendent of Fremont City Schools. Yep. Hi, Mr. Detweiler. Hello, How are you doing? Mr. Zimmerman. Good to see you. All <laughs> <Yeah>. grown up. <laughs> yeah. And I will uh, I will be referring to you as Mr. Detweiler and not John because... That, that whatever's, whatever's comfortable it, for you. It would be just inappropriate for me to call you. I understand. <laughs> it is a little awkward. I see former teachers and I'm in the same boat. It's always Mr. So-and-so. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So first off, I want to just talk about what happened with the uh, potential school shooting just sure. so we can get that out of the way and sure. figure well, out what happened. Yeah, uh, last Friday, got a call from the high school about 3.30 or so, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, that they had uh, been reported to them that there was some writing on the wall that was a a racial threat of violence. So we started investigating, called the police right away, and they worked kind of all weekend, viewing video, talking to students, and we continued that investigation. Mm -hmm. Actually, still are continuing that investigation. They still have a a few leads. And actually, starting yesterday, put out a reward for any information leading to who I, might I, have done that. Yeah, I saw that yesterday, the $250, $250? reward for information. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to just really want to make sure we find out who did this so it doesn't happen again. You know, right. Tony, it's one of those things that one kid with a marker can send a message that this is a, a bad place to be or there's things to be afraid of, and we have to respond with all the you know, security measures and everything. It's just, mm-hmm. you know... Unfortunately, we live in a day when we can't afford to be wrong. We have to take right. all these things very seriously. We do believe there was nothing to it, but unfortunately, it's, it sends that message that, you know, well, it's not a good place to be, and it mm-hmm. is. You know, one thing we were talking about as a staff is that I think one of the strengths of Fremont Ross, you know, my sons were both little giants. They both went through Ross High School. And th- one thing that I think is a strength of ours is that our our kids of all our races, all kids, we get along. And I think, you know, it's not perfect. There's no, no place is perfect. But I think of one of the strengths for Fremont Ross High School is the fact that we're just a very integrated community. And of all the schools in the area, our diversity is our strength. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I go into lunches at, at Ross High, and it's really hard to find a table of just one group of kids. You yeah. know, they're, they're mixed. I mean, there's, there's friends, there's chatting, there's and it's completely across racial groups and and gender and it just seems every time I'm there I'm just amazed at the level of integration and, and kids mm-hmm. just don't worry about it it doesn't seem to be a big thing and I can say that because I've been in some other districts in the area where it wasn't the case so I say that with a little bit of confidence that um, one thing that's important and true about Fremont's Ross High School is that there just aren't a lot of racial tensions and of course like I say it's not perfect mm-hmm. um, obviously but I think Compared to a lot of area schools, we really don't have that as an issue. So to have this show up that way just seems like a real shame, especially that you know we work so hard to, to be inclusive, and uh, I think we are, um, that it was, uh, unfortunately, that kind of motivation. Right. You, but, would, you would consider this an outlier? Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, I think one, one kid with a marker trying to be cute or funny or whatever it is, I think has unfortunately done damage, you know, to our reputation, which is actually what, what ought to be a strength of ours. Yeah. Like I said, um, both my sons came through and they have friends and very mixed group of friends. And uh, I just love that about Fremont Ross. As a matter yeah. of fact, when I came back, you know, I was here for, I don't know if I can just go ahead and keep talking about no. my history. Oh here. yeah. Keep on talking. Um, yeah. You know, I started here in 1991 after graduating from Bluffton College. <laughs> Go Beavers. Go Beavers, that's right. Uh, my wife and I are both proud Beavers. Um, <laughs> started here in 1991, uh, taught for 
four years, uh, sixth grade at Otis Elementary School. Oh, you started in elementary? I did. I, I did. I have that one through eighth grade certification, which is no longer available, but can teach anything first through eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started in elementary school, sixth grade, with Mr. Brown at Otis Elementary School, <laughs> and I did that for four years. Then a science position in seventh grade came open at Fremont Middle School, mm-hmm. and I was attracted to just the energy of the building and the size of the building. And, and the oldness and, of the building? And That's right. That's <laughs> right. Uh, largest, uh, one of the largest middle schools in the state at the time. And I was really drawn to teaching science and just really, really enjoyed that. So went there and taught science, I think, for six or seven years to seventh graders. And truly, those are some of my fondest classroom memories Mm -hmm. are in that seventh grade science classroom. One thing I always remember about that class is you told us, science never sucks. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I never forget that. Science never (laughs) sucks because it it pulls. That's right. Exactly. It's a vacuum. That's right. Things Mm -hmm. aren't pushed, they're pulled. That's exactly right. (laughs) So there you go. See, effective teaching. Um, um, But yeah, a lot of great memories of seventh grade science. And then during that time, got uh, master's degree in administration, mm-hmm. and um, from where? That was from University of Finley. Finley, yes, yeah. So got my principal's license first. An assistant principal's position came open there at the middle school, so mm-hmm. I took that. At that time, I was working for Mr. May, Charles May. Mm, I remember one of my one of my good mentors. What a what an amazing man. He um, just taught me a lot about being a man and, and, and integrity and um, leadership. Just a strong strong leader. I really appreciated his uh, courage. Yeah, great mentor of mine. So then uh, he retired a couple years later, and then I became the principal there at Fremont Middle School, was there for a few more years. And as I look back at my career, it seems like about every three or four years, I've kind of looking for something, kind of a new challenge. So so how long um, have you been in this position? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> year and a half. I'm good. Year and a half. We're okay so far. So yeah, if the board will have me, I'm still okay. <laughs> anyway, saw uh, an opportunity to try a different thing over in and Clyde, so I went over there and was a middle school principal there for seven years. And during that time, then I got my uh, superintendent's license. Mm. And then... What's, um, uh, what's involved in getting the superintendent's license? Uh, that's like six more classes above your principal's degree. Okay. And in that class, you take, you know, more school law, mm. uh, just buildings and grounds kind of stuff. You just, It's broader, kind of a a broader look at education in those six courses. So I okay. also took that at University of Finley. So finished up my license to be a superintendent. And then applied one year. I applied to try to think what it had been, boy, about six years ago or so. Anyway, applied to be the superintendent at Lakota and didn't get it that time. A year later, that position was open again. I applied and got it. And they so, realized they made a mistake. Uh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> Missed opportunities, you bet. So... Um, so I was over there for four years, really enjoyed that too. And, you know, I, I have a lot of um, great friends and colleagues in, in both Clyde schools, Clyde Greenspring schools and Lakota schools. Yeah. Um, just, you know, it's, it's Sandusky County and I never left the county. Um, I, just I, I joke, I joke that I've, I've now covered the whole thing. <laughs> no one's escaped um, my demise or my, <laughs> my impact, I suppose, good or bad um, in the county. But so, yeah, I was over in Clyde for seven, over in Lakota then for four. So I went east, then went west. And then um, when this position came open, it was just something that I, I knew I had to try. And Yeah. Well, you had know, a long history. A long history, the longest of all. So I was 15 years here as mm-hmm. a teacher and, and administrator. And, you know, like I said, my sons were also little giants. And uh, so during that time, even though I wasn't here as an administrator, my, when my sons were in middle school and high school, and it, it just felt like the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. So I applied and, and was offered the position, so here I am. And 
it has just it's just felt really good to be back, you know. Felt like has it felt kind of like coming home? Or? It really has, and, and I think too one thing that I've really enjoyed is that history. You know, I for example today I went to a restaurant here in town to grab a quick hamburger. One of the people in there was was a former student, and it was just nice. Hey, Mr. Weather, <laughs> and then she asked me about this and asked me about that. I really enjoy that, yeah. and and even sitting here talking to you, I look across the table at a young man I knew who was when he was twelve, well before that too probably, and it just like that, yeah, like that sense of of being here a long time and knowing now parents and children, you know, it's I enjoy going to elementary events now because I I look in the crowd and there's just a lot of former students there, and I really like that because you know I tr- tried to be a good teacher and a good principal and most of those react most of those relationships are there and they're positive so. There's already a little, maybe a sense of trust that I, they know kind of what I'm about because they've they've known me for a while. Yeah, and you, you don't get capacity. all. You don't see many student, former students, and them have them yell at you. No, that I don't. Very I much. don't. <laughs> now some of them will tease me about, well, you threw me out of school or you did this to me. But it, you know, when I was a principal, I always tried, even when a kid was in trouble, even if I had to chew him out or get on him a little bit. You know, you, you, you do that, but then you come back and make sure that that relationship is there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important to, um, you know, never leave a conversation without hope. That's one of my mottos. Never leave a meeting or, or an expulsion hearing or a parent meeting without some hope. Mm-hmm. That there's, there's a connection, that there's, there's going to be, it's going to be okay, that it's just one moment in time. It's not, not the end of the world or end of a relationship or, or end of potential or end of anything. Right. It's just, it's just a moment and that we're going to be okay. So especially in middle school, one of the things I really enjoyed is that middle school age child, they're just really becoming who they are. You know, they're kind of, they're getting away from only caring what their parents think to caring more about what their peers think. That's, right. a, that's a big transition for, you know, an, an adolescent. You, know, you start to, you know, as a, as a small child, you get your identity really from your parents. Mm-hmm. And, and what your parents are doing. As you get into middle school, you start getting your identity for yourself, and it's mostly determined by what your peers are saying about you and what they think about you. When that transition, I think kids are making a lot of choices about who they're going to be and what kind of group they're going to be with. And I, I miss that part of, of just being a middle school principal. There's some powerful moments in there when you can really have, I think, life-changing conversations with kids when they're really deciding what they're going to be and what they're going to be about. And, and you can really talk to them about some really meaningful things. I think really life decisions kind yeah. of things. So I miss that. Some of my favorite conversations with kids and parents have been in that middle school office when something's happened and you got to have you know some tough conversations, but you can talk about the bigger picture and where kids are headed and, and what decisions they're making before maybe they get into high school and it's maybe a little too late or they're credit deficient or they've made some bad choices that they really can't recover from. Yeah. Can, um, you, can you give any examples, obviously, without using names? Well, sure. And I, I, I mean... One one theme that I think is really strong, I used to tell an awful lot of parents, mostly it seemed of young men who just weren't being successful in the classroom. And it's typically that young man who was a hands-on kid, you know, hmm. just wasn't, just they're not built maybe to sit in a, in, a, in a row in a column and turn to page five and read paragraph three. And, you know, they're... they're they're hands-on people. They they are doers, and mm-hmm. and they're action, and they're active, and they're you know they've got to be involved. They're very smart and and intelligent and problem-solving, but it often isn't that traditional classroom setting. Yeah, and that seems to be if I would pick that kind of kid, I would always tell parents I'm old enough now <laughs> to have seen those same kids make it, and I, I say well, hang in there if you can just 
kind of get through the school part, this young man or the student is just going to blossom. A lot of potential. They're, absolutely. They're going to find their thing, and they're going to change the world. And they're going to they're going to be fine citizens, and they'll have fine families and be fine tax-paying uh, members of society. But, boy, they sometimes you could feel a little hopeless sometimes in the situations. Well, they're just not getting the grades, and they got in trouble, or they, you know, they made a bad choice. And I always try to think, no, it's okay. They, you know, we're allowed to make a mistake. As a matter of fact, sometimes the best things we can do is make a, a good, healthy mistake. Yeah. And, and that they're going to get through that. And I still tell that to parents, but as a middle school principal, that's something I don't get to do. Or when I was a middle school principal, I don't get to do that from this chair as much, mm-hmm. have those kind of uh, impactful comments. But, but I still feel like I can do that through my staff. You know, I have a very good team of administrators, and I think now my role is to try to help them make those same kind of decisions and help people and try mm-hmm. to keep the big picture. How many conversations are you able to have with students and, and parents now? I know that you got you have to deal with your staff. And, yeah. And it's yeah. hard to get out um, there, but... Tony, what I've tried to do, and I try really hard, at least three or four days a week, is to have lunch in elementary school or middle school or the high school. So I, yeah. that's one thing, you know, I've got to eat lunch. Well, I don't, I don't always get lunch. Take <laughs> that back. You know, things get crazy. I don't always get lunch. But I, I try to get to school, and I, I sit with kids and I eat with kids. Yeah. And... Um, that has been one way that I've stayed connected to kids. You know, as a, as a superintendent at Lakota, it's a much smaller district, and actually it's all under one building. You know, it's K-12 in one building. So it was easy to decide easy. where you were going to and, and, and my <laughs> office was in the building. Yeah. So I would hear the bell ring, step into the hallway, and I see I'm in the high school hallway, literally 20 paces from my desk. So I really liked that about Lakota. Yeah. And so when I came here, I, I knew I would have to come up with some way to maintain that connection to kids because I think I, I wouldn't want this job if I couldn't do that because to me that's still what makes it all worthwhile. <laughs> I often joke, you know, the adults are driving me crazy. I got to find a kid. <laughs> um, so I'll head out the door and, and, and go find a kid to eat lunch with because that's just what I Because they, li- they get you. They do. <laughs> I, and I think I get them. Um, so it, it, it seems to be a pretty good fit. So I was over at Atkinson Day for lunch, and uh, you know, you just you see some kids that you've you've started to get to know a little bit, and they ask how you're doing. And the kindergartners were there, and they they called me Dr. Seuss. I'm not sure why they're having <laughs> Dr. Seuss week over there at Atkinson. And uh, one of the kindergartners said, "Hey, there's there's Dr. Seuss. I don't know if it was the suit and tie or what, but apparently, if you come in looking like that, you you're automatically Dr. Seuss. <laughs> there's worse things. There's, there, are, there are worse things. There are certainly are worse things. You know, Tony, I get, I get that a lot. You know, I don't think kids are as much anymore used to seeing people in suits and ties. It, hmm. And I, I, I try to wear one every day, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Sometimes people, it's off-putting for some people to be really dressed up, but I still wear a suit and tie every day. And, yeah. um, and I mean, we're on a podcast, and I still wear a suit. Exactly, and I, and I appreciate that. I mean, I don't have a tie on, but, yeah. you know. Yeah, and, and, and I still feel that way. I think that sometimes it's really okay to maintain that standard. It's important to look mm-hmm. good and, and well, be professional. I always think about suits the same way when I think about school uniforms. Right. You dress... For what you're doing. Success. So right. I, I put on a suit when I'm trying to actually yeah. get something accomplished. There you go. There you go. And it kind of ch- sets the tone for things. Yeah. Absolutely. But anyway, when I go into these elementaries, it's funny. They'll say, are, <laughs> I've said things like, are you the mayor? Or are you the president? Or uh, are you a magician? That was one of my favorites. <laughs> I, I've gotten that a couple what times. What magicians are they going with? <laughs> I don't know. They're seeing some pretty dressed up magicians, I guess. Maybe magicians wear suits. I suppose <laughs> they do. I don't know. It's a classier profession than it used to be. <laughs> right. And I think, boy, I wish I were a magician. Man, could I use that <laughs> skill sometimes? 
<laughs> so, so, but anyway, I, I really enjoyed that and try to get as much as I can. Um, and I told the board when I got hired in this position that that was going to be a big part of my day is to make sure I could, I could see students. Yeah. You know, I think also one thing that is my job is to try to set a tone for the district, try mm-hmm. to set an attitude, um, some, some positivity, some, some, uh, confidence and, and just goodwill, really. Yeah. And I, I think it's going to be hard to do that if in my office all the time and kids don't know who I am. Um, if, if we want our community to feel good about our school, then I should be out there feeling good about our schools. If if I want kids to feel like they're cared for, I think if the boss is there and the boss is chatting with them at lunchtime over some chicken nuggets, that matters to them. Yeah. Um, that they're they're valued and that that, um, that they're the, what we're all about. You know, mm-hmm. if If the boss sits down with the kids, that's it sends a powerful message, and that's not about me. There, there's a position here, and that position has a lot of power, and the title has a lot of power. And I think the, the, how I choose to use that matters. And I think one way to do that is to is to make sure kids know that I'm I'm with them. And I, you know, I try to make it to a, as many events as I can. Sometimes my wife doesn't see me very much, <laughs> um, and I get to a lot of events. Um, I know I took some photos of uh, the football team, not this year, but the, the year before, right. and I saw you on the sidelines. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I try to, try to just be there, and I think kids appreciate that, um, and I think it matters. So mm-hmm. I'll continue to try to do that as much as I can to stay married. You know how that goes. <laughs> but Mrs. Detweiler, the lovely Mrs. Detweiler, is just very supportive. Um, another thing, Tony, just talking about that history in here, my two sons grew up and graduated as little giants. Um, they're now in Columbus and Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. But I was going to say, when did they graduate from? from uh, 16, 14 and 16. 14 and 16. Yeah. So the uh, youngest one just finished his degree, um, and the other one is almost ready to finish his associate's degree. So mm-hmm. pretty proud of them. But um, that them sort of being an empty nester has been a, a blessing for this job because we uh, – you know, my wife and I, you know, we've got time now. Yeah. And, and I, can, I can spend time with other people's kids you know, <laughs> now because my kids are out doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's one thing that, I, you know, you, sp- you spend your career watching other people's kids do things. You got to make sure when you kid, and they, I did, I made it to their events. They, did, they were in band and football and you know, did kind of those things. Yeah. And I, at that point, was not here. When they were coming up through uh, elementary school here in Fremont City, I was the middle school principal, and just before my son be- came to the Fremont Middle School was when I left. So uh-huh. they never had to be um, in the building where their dad was. Yeah, and, and I think that w- that worked out in hindsight. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the only motivating factor, but it was a factor. And I think looking back, it was a wise decision because I think it's sometimes tough for kids to have a dad who's a teacher or an administrator. Yeah, um, you kind of got to let them be their own person. Exactly. You. Exactly. So they had. So they, I mean, the staff all knew me, but they could be themselves among their friends and not worry about all that. So you, that, you immediately that heard when something bad happened. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You had inside scoop as well. So they made it through, graduated, and about the time I came back. So, it, it, you know, I look back on, on the decisions I made and just have no regrets. I think everything... Um, kind of timed out perfectly. It, it really did. And I... I think I learned an awful lot of skills from my uh, my peeps. <laughs> I call my my Clyde peeps and my Lakota peeps. Yeah. Um, you know, different board members, different different communities, um, different teaching styles, different expectations. I just learned an awful lot of things. Yeah. Um, and I'm very thankful too for my opportunity at Lakota because it gave me a lot of hats to wear. You know, when there's 
is just kind of you and you're kind of in charge of everything in a district that size, you mm-hmm. know, you're, you're an awful lot in charge of transportation and you're much more hands-on with maintenance and you're much more hands-on with the kitchen and, and you, you're the one doing an awful lot of the curriculum work. I mean, not all those things, there's helpers in all those areas, but you're, you're really close to all those yeah. things. Before you went to Lakota and you had your superintendent's license, did you ever look at leaving Sandusky County? No. Um, and, and partly, if you, you know, my, at the point my sons were still in school. And oh, you, I you didn't want to move Didn't down. really want to move them. And, um, you know, it's interesting when I, both times, when I went to Clyde as a principal, I asked both my sons, oh, you want to? You want to come be flyers? And they said, Dad, no. Well, we're, that's we're not, little that's, giants. I was going to say, that's easy. Little giants are way better than flyers. Uh, well, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they were there, and that they were invested in their friends and the whole thing. So the same thing when I went to Lakota. I said, you know, gentlemen, you want to, you know, they were probably freshmen in eighth grade or maybe sophomore in eighth grade at that point. I said, you guys want to come to Lakota with me? No, nope, Dad, we're good. <laughs> so um, they stayed. And I think that, that was a good thing. Um, but those opportunities really did, I think, help me uh, be prepared for this job. Yeah. You know, in this job, there's, I'm much less directly hands-on, but I, I understand a lot of those things. So, you know, in this, in this world, I've got some fabulous directors. There's five of them, Mm -hmm. each one sort of in charge of a different aspect of the district. So when they come to me with a situation, I I have done those things or at Mm -hmm. least, at least better understand those things. And I wouldn't have had that opportunity if I hadn't uh, gone to a smaller school to be superintendent. So I'm very thankful for that opportunity and um i think i wouldn't be as effective as i am without that yeah yeah so what's it you would have known the teachers then before you came back here as superintendent yeah and some of the, what's it like being their boss yeah now? that that first happened at the middle school tony i you know i taught there for seven years i think six years and you know <laughs> all of a sudden i'm now doing evaluations and all mm-hmm. those other things mm-hmm. that, that come with administration so i've done that now and I've come back and I'm doing it again. And that's really been one of the hardest things I've ever done was to, you know, because, you know, you, as, a, as a teacher, you, yeah, you, yeah, the boss this, the they boss that. They don't know what that, they're talking know. about. Exactly. <laughs> Those morons in the, in the front office don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit. I had great leaders. But, you know, it, it's different from going from the, you know, the, the rank and file to all of a sudden you're in charge of the same people that you were maybe uh, complaining about the leadership with <laughs> a few months earlier. Now yeah, you're, yeah. you're the leadership. But I think once again, if you are, if you're sincere, and and I also think that I had a pretty good reputation as a teacher, so I, I think those things helped a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I think if I, you know, I tried to try to be a really effective teacher, and and I think that earned me some credit then when I was an administrator that I could talk about that with some credibility. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you that, could see where the teachers were coming exactly, from. exactly, and and, and also sympathetic, and and but they also I think were willing to maybe listen if I had an idea. They knew mm-hmm. I had done a little bit of time. There are a lot of school administrators that don't um, spend a lot of time in those different levels. You know, I, you know, some kids or young people get on that fast track. You know, they're yeah. you know they're two or three years here, two or three years, then all of a sudden they're at the top. I had some really good advice from uh, actually she was a personnel director here. Diane Kershaw was the personnel director I worked for when I was actually still teaching, hmm. and when I became an principal then she was one of my mentors and she always said you know john it's really important to sit in the seats it was always her guidance to me and i've used that an awful lot so as i look back at my career i was you know about a 30-year career in this gig and you know i taught for 10 was a building level administrator for 12 and if i live long enough i will have been (laughs) a, a, a district level leader for about 10 or 12 so 
if I look back, that's, a, I think, a pretty good, uh, you know, basically thirds. I was a teacher for about 10, you know, about a decade of administrator, building level, and then about hopefully a decade of... Uh, oh, so you're already looking forward to your retirement. Well, <laughs> well sure, Tony, of course, so a little bit. No, I... Um, I got about seven to go, so I, I shouldn't be looking forward to it too much. I got a little ways to go. I think that was was good advice because I think you get once again I'm talking about that credibility. You spend a little time doing those things. So now when a principal comes to me and they've got a situation, there's a pretty good chance I've faced that situation yeah. in my 12 years as a building principal. That's more than two years as a building principal. I mean, it's not forever, but you know, you've seen an awful lot after yeah. about 10 or 12 years. Certainly. Yeah, so that very, very good advice yeah. I got a long time ago. So now one thing that you probably didn't deal with until you were a superintendent is the budgets. Yes, uh, right. What's that been like that's, dealing with? That's, and if I were to pick, uh, you know, if you put me on a on a, a line, a continuum of, of people versus money and, and where I would rather be, I'd be way <laughs> left on the people side, you know. Yeah. Like, I'm a relationship guy, and and the strength of mine, I think, is is that. So I've always relied on very strong treasures. I had a very strong treasure at Lakota, and and now I've got two interims that are they're really strong here that are that help me. Because mm-hmm. it isn't something. If you ask my wife, it isn't something that I gravitate to. I don't. I tend to lose focus with. You give me a lot of numbers. I. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. There's a reason you weren't a math teacher. There's a reason I wasn't a math teacher, and it's not that I don't understand it, but I, I tend to, I tend to be a kind of a big picture guy. Yeah. So, you know, you talk about managing strengths and weaknesses. I think every every good leader or every just successful person starts to recognize, okay, th- this is what I'm really good at. Yeah. And and maybe these are the things I'm not so good at. So as I try to be successful, or try to move forward, you manage. You manage to, you know, take advantage, exploit those strengths, and then manage the weaknesses by maybe having people around you that are watching those things and setting up maybe a system that makes sure you don't get too far off track or whatever. So that's one thing I've tried to do as I as I go forward. So, yeah, if you want a real fine detailed financial forecast of where we're headed, I'm not your guy, <laughs> but I will find somebody that can do that yeah. and, and be reliable to do that. So. You know, it's not that I, I don't understand those things, and and I and I do, but boy, it's not where I just choose to spend my time. Right. And there are people that are good at it and enjoy it, so I, I kind of rely on those people. Okay. Now, if you if you need somebody to talk to a group or or maybe do a podcast, maybe do a podcast, <laughs> put a microphone in front of their face. <laughs> I'm your guy, absolutely, because that that's it's just been something I really enjoy. You know, one thing that I've actually started doing some. I had a chance through my church to, to preach a couple times, and I've really enjoyed that. Yeah. You know, I enjoy the, the study, and I enjoy the preparation of the message, and then the opportunity to stand in front and just really speak. Um, I found that I like that, and I realize it's not unlike teaching. You know, you, hmm. you've got content, you've got a message, you've got an audience, you've got an intended goal. Um, it, it suits me. Um, so I've enjoyed that. I've had a chance maybe once a month for the last two years to fill in, you know, here and there. Um, I've done some of that in Tiffin and Sandusky and here in Fremont. So that's something I really enjoyed. And it kind of suits that teaching. Something you uh, miss from teaching? Yes, my teaching need. Absolutely. Yeah. That that sort of sharing of information and and, and the ex- expository thing that comes with, with that. Yeah. I know. I, know. I remember I, I live in Rising Sun and you were one of the first times I went to that church right. in Rising Sun. Right. There I was. Well, once I lived there. Yeah. And yeah, there's Mr. Detweiler, and yeah. I'm like, "What are you doing here? What are you doing there?" Absolutely. So I found that to be um, 
kind of a fun thing as I've gotten older. And like I said, my empty nester, I got a little time. So I've enjoyed doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So what does your wife what does your wife do to fill her time while you're out at well, all these sporting events? That's a, that's a good one, Tony. What our rhythm has really become often is I'll have an evening event, so I'll stay here in the office, work my regular day, and then I'll call her and say, okay, you're ready, and then we'll meet for supper. Hmm. So we eat out prof- probably more than we should. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe that's the blessing of, of the uh, empty nester thing. But <laughs> So we'll meet at a restaurant so we can see each other for a while. And then often, so you know, she often joins me for these events. Yeah. Um, but if it's something I'm going to on my own, then she'll head on home and I'll go to the event and, and head back home afterwards. Mm-hmm. She's been a trooper. Like she went to the um, Washington Elementary School chili supper a couple Saturdays ago. Um, we've got an awards banquet coming up this week that she'll she'll join me for. Mm-hmm. She's uh, she's the best. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. What what is what is what is her job? She's not in education. Uh, actually, she? yes, yeah. She um, we met. Good story here. We met in education classes at Bluffton. We were both dating other people at the time, and then after we were both out of college, we ended up being single and and. Oh, you of, didn't date in college? No, no, <laughs> we did not. Um, knew each other, same group of friends. You know, Bluffton's a very small school, so if you're in education at Bluffton, you knew everybody else was <laughs> in education at Bluffton. So we had just always dated other people mm-hmm. during college. So when she um we kind of got together after we were both out. She was teaching here in Fremont. She started teaching Spanish at the old middle school. So oh. she actually taught there a couple of years before I got my job here. So I tell people I chased her and found her in Fremont. <laughs> no, but she, she taught here for, I think, 17 years. And now she got a librarian job in Clyde also. Hmm. So she's currently the district librarian for Clyde Green Spring Schools. Mm-hmm. So it works pretty well because we live on the west side of town. So she's coming home from Clyde. We'll, you know, meet in Fremont and eat, and then you can head on home, and I go off to my things. Yeah, yeah, works well. Yeah. To backtrack slightly uh, about kind of the budget thing, can you tell me what the process has been like with the five new schools that you guys are building? <laughs> How, wow. Since you're not really hands on with the budget stuff, yeah. What's what's yeah. your role in that? Yeah. Well, the, this I guess I would say I'm more hands on because it's been part of the planning process as we've been going through it, but. You know, this, this community was very gracious um, in supporting that levy now, two years ago almost, to uh, to build these new schools. And, you know, the process works that basically the state came and helped us do a study and determined, okay, this is what it's going to cost to build, you know, four new elementaries and a new high school. Yeah. And then also the community is very supportive. They um, supported the money for a locally funded uh, performing arts center, which I'm very excited about. So that'll be a part of the new high school, but that's all local dollars, not excuse me, co-funded state money. Gotcha. Excuse me. But anyway, that so that dollar amount is set. So for the last year and a half, we've been designing and planning and redesigning and retweaking and and moving and shaping and talking about these new buildings and, and with that dollar in mind. Yeah. Um, so just a couple weeks ago, we uh, finally approved what's called the GMP, which is a guaranteed maximum price. Okay. And under this. Uh, construction model that that guaranteed maximum price is now the dollar amount that the construction manager has to build this school or all these schools. Mm-hmm. So um, we did that for the four elementaries. So as of right now, we've got those agreed upon. The board has said has voted yes. The construction manager said yes, I can do it for that amount. Mm-hmm. And here's what the design is, and here's the flooring. Here's you know, so we've got all those things made. So right now. He's going out and finding his builders and bidders and, and, and assembling his team to start doing that. So we're mm-hmm. hoping here in another, well, as soon as really as the weather breaks, we hope, 
we can start pouring some footers and getting some block out of the ground. Yeah. So now, you, okay, so you have the maximum price there, you right? If set, so if if it runs over, that's on the it falls on the construction manager. Yeah, and actually the the model is called CMR, and that that stands for construction manager at risk. So in this model, unlike the old days, um, which is what I worked under when I did this in Clyde the risk was really with the district because you had to hold those contracts and make sure those contractors are doing their work. In this model, the construction manager then hires all those subcontractors and says, okay, this is what I've got to build it with. If I overshoot it, then that's on them. Gotcha. Now, obviously, they do an awful lot of homework ahead of time to make sure that it's doable. I mean, that's, but that puts a lot of that pressure and understanding. You know, we're not builders. You know, I'm a teacher. You know, I, I've done a little bit of carpentry work but it's it's not enough to, not do enough to build a school no no you wouldn't <laughs> want me doing that um i could maybe stir some mortar maybe but that'd be about the extent of it um so you know, they got this program at vanguard yeah i should, I should, I should <laughs> sign up as soon as i can maybe uh, maybe tara's got something yeah for old guys to learn how to build things but um so uh this that risk then is on the construction manager so if they've only got you know 11.4 million or whatever per elementary school give or take, depending on the site, they're all about that much to build that building. And then they've agreed that and signed off that they will do it for that. So that really does um, take a lot of the risk off. And there's also built into the system a lot of contingency dollars that are built into the budget. So as as we go along, if things are going well, those contingency dollars can be used for some other things. Maybe we'll upgrade some technology or, you know, do a little more with the playground or, you know, we can do some other things with those, with those dollars. But, yeah. you know, this... This, the state's been doing this, um, OFCC, the Ohio Facilities Construction Commission, they've been doing this for about 20 years. So they've, they've got it down. Yeah, they know what they're doing. They do. And, and, and there have been a lot of mistakes made and a lot of learned lessons that we're benefiting from now. So I think I'm very confident in our team. You know, our construction manager, we have two different architects. Our, our state people have been very helpful and supportive. So I'm confident that we'll get through this. It, it's going to be bumpy. I think you can't build anything and not have some headaches. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's the same. You build in the house, you're going exactly. to have headaches. Exactly. I've heard that. You know, I, I've used this line a couple of times. I've heard that as a married couple, if you can stay married to a building of a house, you're really meant to be married. <laughs> and we'll have those same kind of stresses. Luckily, I'm not married to anybody here. But there's just a lot of stress and, and a lot of, you know, it's challenges. Things things aren't here. Or the, the price of this changed. You know, mm. one thing that affected us was the steel tariffs. Oh. Um, that that really trickled down to our budget. So when we passed this um, year and a half ago, two years ago, those tariffs weren't in place. Right. And so when we pass that amount to build these buildings, there's a shifting market, and you know now labor's tight because there's a lot of building going on. So the price of labor is up a little bit. So we've had to sort of modify some of our design and and you know streamline a few things. For example, we. Originally, we're planning on those buildings all being a little unique, each elementary. Yeah. Well, we've realized to save design costs and also some construction costs on volume, they're now all the same footprint. So that's one thing that we had to sort of do to stay inside that budget due to some of those price increases on labor and materials. Yeah. Yeah. So if the uh, so let's say like the tariffs go away and those costs come back down, then you would have more money for. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. And and they have stabilized some, and it peaked boy about. Well, it would have been much late last summer. We were really worried because there were reports that steel prices were only being guaranteed for a week. Oh, I mean, wow. that's how volatile that market was for a little while. That's all stabilized some, and it seems like we're in a, in a better bidding market right now where we can have a little confidence in those prices. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now to get away from buildings. Okay. <laughs> so what are, have you seen any positive 
like new positive trends in the school district that you're really excited for for the future? Well, uh, Tony, I think um, one thing that I'm really excited about, obviously, is, is brand new buildings. I, mm-hmm. I have, I think one of the things that I, I, you know, we talked about looking back on your life and realizing things seem to have lined up. Um, when I was at Clyde, I was a part of um, building a brand new middle school there as a principal. It's not quite the same as obviously as a superintendent, but in that role, I helped with the design and committees, and you know, we passed the levy and designed the school and all that. So, yeah. being a part of that, I also saw the enrollment over there stabilize and actually increase. Hmm. And I think there's there's some energy that comes with that newness. Now, I can't see the future, but I just and I actually say I thought the same, that was one of the responsibilities of a superintendent. To right, see the future. right, right. <laughs> Check. Got that. Yep, absolutely. Know everything and know what the weather's going to be at four in the morning. Right, all yeah. that. But uh, at Lakota, I saw the same thing as a, as a superintendent. They had a brand new building when I moved in over there, and we saw our numbers start to stabilize and start to increase. They were in a de- declining enrollment situation as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm uh, trustful and, and hopeful that we'll see those same things here. You know, I think there's, a, there's some energy around new buildings and there's a, a little, you know, maybe a little bounce in your step if you've, you've got some things to be proud of as a community. Yeah. And I believe that that's going to be true for us. I'm very excited about this new high school. I think it's going to be truly an amazing facility. I think the community is just going to be odd compared to, you know, and I love our Ross building, but it's, it, there's not a lot of glamour. You know, there's not a lot of not a lot of pizzazz. No, um, there's not. It's built in a time when things were pretty pretty straightforward. When they see this building and some of the things that they have for their design features and things they have in mind, I think it's going to be just a, a real feather in the cap for the whole community. Yeah. And something we can say, well, look, you know, we should be part of this and and, and get on board and and uh, make sure our future is bright. So that part I'm really excited about. Mm-hmm. I think it it'll happen. Yeah. And I, I've talked on previous co- podcasts about population growth of Fremont. So you think the new schools could help bring people into well, the, I, the it district? it can't hurt, Tony. And, I, I, yeah. and like I said, I, I wish I could see the future, but, man, I... Just from what you've seen in the I've past. I've seen it, and, and I've seen it in two other districts that are, that are in our same county. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll have the same impact. And I think even just pride in, in, in where you go and the beautiful new buildings, you know, I'll never forget the faces of my students as they walked into a brand-new middle school in Clyde. There's nothing like it. Yeah. And I'm dreaming of the day when that happens here, and it'll come, it's going to come in about a year and a half when I can watch those students walk into a new building, there's just nothing like it. There's a, there's a, like I said, a spring in your step and a, and a sense of, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm valuable. This is valuable. Everything we're doing here is worthwhile. There's just a lot of positivity. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of optimism. A lot of optimism. Yeah. You got it. So ideally five, 10 years from now, what's the situation? Do you think that like, what do you think the school system is going to look like in five or 10 years? Well, I, I think we'll see. Uh, well, let me paraphrase. Yeah. Specify. Ideally, like yeah, your sure. dream scenario, like sure. everything um, works out great. Yeah, I think we're a place that um, that people come to. Um, I think that staff, you know, it's a staff where you, you want to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, where teachers want to be, where 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 uh, principals want to be, and you know, so I think it's actually happening a little bit now. And I, I, you know, I do see I do see life pretty rosy. I'm a I'm a pretty optimistic guy. I've yeah. always been a pretty positive guy. But I, I feel a, a momentum with our district, and I, I feel like um, I've had you know comments from staff members and parents that they feel like things are going the right way, and 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 there's good things happening, and the future is bright, and I, I just want to sort of see that through and 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 confirm that yeah that um, we do have the best opportunity for kids. Um, you know, one thing that I could say too about Fremont City Schools is um, the opportunities for kids here and the variety of things they can take. 
mm-hmm. are unbelievable compared to those other districts I've been at. Not that you know, I'm not saying anything bad, but just the size of our district offers things that other districts don't have. You know, jazz band, for example. You know, my my son was way into the jazz band. Mm-hmm. Um, that the, that isn't available everywhere. You know, we we have an, an elite choir. Well, some other schools may just have a choir. <laughs> We have a musical every year for kids who are into that. Well, not every, I, from experience, not every school has a musical every year. Yeah. There are just so many things like that. I mean, we have a forensics class. We have, you know, just. Is, is the forensics class part of the uh, criminal justice program or is no, that just a, a standalone? In, in Ross, standalone in forensics class oh, in Ross. Know that. Yeah. And, you know, we're adding some uh, offerings from Bowling Green State University that will be taught by our staff. So for those kids, maybe on that track, mm-hmm. we've got a lot of cool things happening with Tara with an early college program. I, I just read an article uh, the other day from the News Messenger about yeah. how you can graduate from when you gra- you can dual graduate from exactly. Mount Ross with an associate's, associate's degree and your high school degree. In-house and never leave. That's yeah. right. Now, I mean, sorry, you leave for some classes at Tara, but I mean, as far as You're not yeah, four years. For exactly. Exactly. There's just... A lot of good things that can you can you can get at Ross High. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a 120 marching members of the band. I mean, uh, there are some areas in around us where there's not very many kids in the band. And if you really want opportunities, this is the place to come. There, yeah. There's just so many things that that you can do, and it's just due to our size. We just have opportunities that a lot of smaller districts don't have. And I I, I think. You know that you know, people say, well, it's it's big school, but you know you find you find your thing in Fremont, and you can really excel in your thing. Yeah, you can find your thing and really be a part of a real program, and that's um that's just a benefit of being a larger school. And I think it's something that we don't maybe celebrate or, or talk about enough. Mm-hmm. I'll go back to to this other part, the the diversity part. You know, I mentioned both my sons uh, graduated from here, and they went into big cities and had zero trouble with with diversity and, and I I'm not so sure that sometimes kids coming out of a small setting have that same experience yeah that you know you, you get to know somebody that's not like you mm. and I think that's a powerful lesson because no, no matter what you do in life you're going to have uh, people that aren't like you and if you ever if you're going to grow and and be um, the best you can be that that's a part of it is just knowing somebody that's just not like you and yeah. you know you, small rural schools that's that's not just not the case and I, and I can say that with a little bit of confidence because I went to a very small school in in Central Ohio. Oh yeah, where did where did you go to? Uh, Triad High School, home of the Cardinals. Yeah, I graduated with sixty two people in my class. Small rural school, consolidated little communities. Mm-hmm. School was out in the middle of nowhere, and and a great little school. But I didn't have some of those opportunities that my own sons had. You didn't have a forensics class. Did not have a forensics <laughs> class. As a matter of fact, my. My science teacher my senior year had never taught that science course before, and they didn't have a teacher to teach it, so he said he would do the best he could. I mean, <laughs> just, I mean that was been a very long time ago. Yeah. But, but I just think they're, they're, it's hard to offer those things to kids that, that you can when you've got just a larger school. Yeah. Yeah. Fremont Ross is a Division II school right now, Correct. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Is there any possibility that... Well, how, how close are we to the, hey, boy, the one and two line? I better not say. I, I, I think... We slipped a few years ago, and it's it, we're under by a good amount. I don't think mm. we're too close to going back up to one, but I, I better not mm. say that. Well, I certainly can't with confidence. Yeah, because when I was here, when I, gra- I graduated in two thousand six, okay, we were Division One then. Okay, and I had like I had about three hundred and thirty kids in my class. Okay, and we're probably closer to three hundreds right now per class. 
right around a couple, a little under, a couple, a little over, but it's probably the average is probably closer to three, three hundred five, yeah. three ten. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The uh, I've t- I've talked with the uh, my other uh, podcast interviewees ah. about the CRA that ah, passed okay. by mm-hmm. the city council. Right. Uh, can you give me your take on the sure. CRA? Um, I. I I think that whatever is whatever is good for Fremont is good for the schools, and what is the city of Fremont. And I think whatever is good for the schools is good for the city of Fremont. Right. The Fremont City Council and the mayor and his whole staff been way way supportive of the schools. Um, they have they worked hard on the campaign. They were just they've been fabulous to us, and and I I think we've been good partners back. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really good relationship. So I think a very, I can, I, I got the, the mayor on my phone here. I could call him and he would talk to me and, and we'd chat off and the police chief and I talk all the time. The chief Foose at the fire department, just, just top notch guys mm-hmm. all around. I, I think we have some really strong leadership in, in this community. The CR, there's a couple versions. I think it maybe wasn't totally idea for this, for the schools. I, I think there's another version that might've been a little more, School friendly, but I I still think at the end of the day, the, the city council is, is is doing the very best they can, and yeah. I think they're trying to, uh, you know, turn the quarter on on maybe some properties in town that aren't being taken care of, you know, and 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 trying to get as many incentives as possible for um, community members to maybe fix properties up and invest in those properties and. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe start a business if you can, and 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 have those tax abatements to help support that. Like I said once again, if it if this is good for the city, it's good for us because those you know if new jobs come in, then there is an income tax part right. a part of our income. So it, it all works out. Now there was a there's a CRA version. There's a couple versions of that. I think there might have been a version that might have been a little more friendly for schools, but I I think how it, so how friendlier for the schools. How well so? uh, the current version I think. If I understand it right, and I, I, I'm not an expert by any means, but you didn't get, also get your law degree. <laughs> no, correct. I know, <laughs> shocking. Um, but there's a automatic abatement for all projects for 15, 15 years. Fifteen. And I, I, there was a, another version of that same law that would say, well, that it's negotiable, so that um, it could be fifteen years, or you could negotiate and say, well, okay, we'll abate this. Um, property value for 10 mm-hmm. or maybe seven or something else. And that, that conversation then would have been something that the city would have had with the schools. I'm pretty sure that the, the version passed is an automatic 15 years. So, and for the schools, that's maybe a little long. We, <laughs> we, uh, maybe, maybe it wouldn't have been, we could have gone a little bit less, but I still think, I trust the, the leadership of Mayor Sanchez and, you know, he's, they've worked hard on this plan. You can't fault anybody for not doing the best they can. Yeah. And, and we may have a little different, philosophy on maybe how to do that but boy the the hearts are in the right place and um the love for the city is is unquestionable mm-hmm. so uh, we're gonna we're gonna make it and, and you know we'll we'll stay arm in arm and and make sure that we get you know the best for our city because you know I, i've said this about Terra and i've said it about vanguard you know i've said it about saint joe you know i think sometimes there's this idea that well we're we're anti-Catholic school or that's the competition or anything. I think, I think that's nonsense because if I want people to come to Fremont, I want them to have all the things that a good-sized city has. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in a, in a thriving community, you've got a good state community college that, that people can go to for training. You've got a parochial school for, for families that that's important for. You know, you've got a city that's got incentives for businesses to come here and not go down the road to, to another community. So I think to to start pulling back or trying to to hurt other people is because it's seen as a threat 
I think that's just silly. Yeah. And it might be a might be a short-term game, but I think the health of this community will is reflected in the health of all those organizations. So, you know, I work with Mr. Fontana, the new superintendent for Bishop Hoffman Catholic Schools. We talk all the time. Mm-hmm. And and what's good for them is good for us, is good for the city. It, there's there's not an adversarial hint of mm-hmm. any of that. And I think the same is true for the city. You know, we're building these buildings. We need the city to help us. You know, we're connecting to sewers. And, you know, as, as a matter of fact, we um, we had a line break uh, over at Atkinson. We were trying to attach to the sewer, and there was a, an issue. Man, the city was right there helping us. We got the water shut off so we could get the, the equipment in there to dig it up and find the hole and, and fix it up. And the city stayed late on a... I remember Thursday night, it was cold. Oh, my gosh, it was cold. And we're standing outside trying to get this uh, water line patched, and the city's right there with us. So um, the water line to Lutz, that's another thing. We're just very thankful that the city's helping us run water line out to Lutz so because it's currently that Lutz school has a, a well. Mm-hmm. And we really like to get a, you know get away from the well and have city water. Well, there's not a line out there. Well, we worked with the city. We've worked out an agreement that we're going we're gonna to get a water line out there next summer so we can have city water at Lutz School. And those are just some of the examples of, of how everybody wins if we, if we work together and stay on the same team. Yeah. We may not get everything we want every time, but you know if we all keep the big goal in mind, it, it works really well. Yeah. On that note, Mr. Right. Dotwaller, okay. I think we're going to have to uh, let you Wrap go it up. Yeah, you've got things to do. I, I, I do. Tony, <laughs> yeah. it's been a pleasure talking to you. And it's good to see you again. It's nice to see former students uh, Turn into a good young man. I'm, I'm glad to glad to talk to you. Yeah, you only talked to me for an hour. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, Mr. Deweller. On that note, uh, it was great sitting down with you. And uh, thank likewise, you. thank you, Tony.